Today I want to kick off a new series. Um, it's, it's a vision series, and it's called Reach and Build. And I want to spend the next three weeks sharing and casting vision with you about where we're going as a church, where I feel the Lord is leading us. I want to make you aware of what God's doing across the globe right now. Some of you may not be aware, but, but God is moving all across the globe in a mighty way. Like he's always moving, but like he's moving in a mighty way. And so there's, there's revivals, there's outpourings, there's awakenings happening all over the place. And, and Christians are funny because we get into arguments about what it's called and what it's not called. Is it real? Is it not real? Listen, I've, I come from a very simple place. If somebody said that God was in prayer wrong, I would drive, walk, steal a horse, do whatever I had to do to get to prayer wrong wherever God was showing up in a manifest kind of way. Amen? And I don't even need a title for it. I just know God's moving, and I want to be a part of that. And so God's moving across the globe right now. When God does this, and he's done this in history, historically he's done this, and when he does this, there's always a harvest that comes right behind it. A harvest. And so I want to share with you today what I feel like God's going to do here. And for the next two weeks, I want to show you what I feel like God's leading us into as a church. You ready? So the title of today's message is Seeing God's Vision. Seeing God's Vision. One thing I've learned about walking with God is that any life, family, or church that wants to make an impact on the globe or in the community must first see the vision that God has for that community or that life or that city or whatever it is. Like we don't just go and try to make an impact from our own unction. There should be a vision that's bigger than us that propels us to go and move in the best that we can move in, trusting that God's going to do the mighty work. So what is vision? Vision is, is, is a clear picture of a preferable future. Sight is what you see when your eyes are open. Vision is what you see when you close your eyes. You ever have dreams? You ever lay your head on the pillow and think? It could be as simple as tomorrow I'm going to cut my grass and do a spring cleaning. And you got to for some of us. You, you got a vision of what your yard's going to look like when it's done. So you're laying on the pillow, and you're like, oh, it's going to be so nice. Anybody feel me? It's a vision. It's a small vision. It's a simple vision, right? A vision of a clean yard. <laughs> vision is the ability to see it before you actually see it. I want to use Walt Disney as an example. I'm not a fan of Disney at all, um, but I, it's, it's a beautiful example of what vision looks like. He was one of the greatest Imagineers of our time, Walt was. And he wanted to build a place where people could take a break from normal life and enter fantasy and have fun with their families. Walt died in 1966. Disney World didn't open up till 1970. His brother Roy was the one who dedicated Disney World. And at that ceremony, someone came up to Roy and said, boy, it would have sure been good if Walt could have been here to see this. And Roy said these famous words, if he didn't see it, we wouldn't be here. 
You caught that? That was the gold in it. If he didn't see it, we wouldn't be here. How many of you know that God wants to give us vision? Every single person in the room, no matter your age, your stage, your background, your life experiences, God has a vision for your life. And if you're not asking to see how he sees, we're going to talk about that in a minute. He has a vision for your life. When you see what God sees, you start to prepare now for what is, what is to come next. I'll give you an example. When a woman gets pregnant and there's a baby coming, does she wait till after the baby's born to get the room ready and the clothes ready and the decor ready and everything in their house ready? No. What does she do? She goes and she prepares ahead of time before the baby arrives, right? So when God gives you a vision, it should compel you and propel you to go and begin to get some things ready for that day to come. Does that make sense? So I want to share three thoughts with you on seeing God's vision. And then I'm going to show you a quick video, and then I'll come back and wrap it up at the end. Number one, here's my first thought on, God, on seeing God's vision. Number one, you need to understand that God's vision is vital. Say vital. vital. It's vital. Proverbs 29:18 says this, where there is no vision, the people perish. I mean, you've heard that verse before. Where there is no vision, people perish. It doesn't say where there's no money, people perish. It says where there's no vision, people perish. But we have a tendency to focus on money or provision or, or resources to accomplish the vision or to accomplish anything. God's word says where there's no vision, people perish. So without vision, we perish. The word perish in this verse, in the Greek, means this. Some of you think it means to die, and that's, that's partially true. To perish in this verse means to run wild or to be stripped naked. So let's use that in the verse. Where there is no vision, people run wild. Where there is no vision, people are stripped naked. So it's not just that things die, it's rather that we run wild or we are stripped naked. you got to understand something this morning. We have to be careful, watch this now, we have to be careful that good motion is actually God's vision. We have to be careful that good motion, good actions, that it's actually God's vision. Because there's a lot of good things we can do that aren't necessarily God's vision. You're going to have to, this is going to have to like hit, hit you. Like it's, it's, you're going to have to get it this morning. Because some of us are doing a lot of good things, but it's not necessarily God's vision for your life. And just because it's a good thing doesn't mean that it's God's vision. So, when you think about every area in your life, you need to ask this question. Do I have God's vision for my life? 
Do I have God's vision for this? In everything that you do, do I have God's vision for this? Do I have God's vision for my marriage? Cheryl and I was at a marriage conference one time, and we did an exercise, and it was to, they, they brought out these big coloring sheets and put crayons on the table, and they said, we want you to draw out what it looks like when all the kids are gone and you're in your old age. What do you see? And it required us to put our heads together and to see what a future looked like, and it was really cool. But that in itself just trained us to start to look forward. That's, that wasn't necessarily God's vision, though I'm hoping it is. But I got a feeling it's better than that. Come on, somebody. So what is God? Do I have God's vision for my business? Do I have God's vision for my finances? Watch this next one. Do I have God's vision for my kids? Or is the world's vision enough? Has God given you a vision for your children? My, my kids' names are written in some of my old Bibles. When they were little bitty, God called me into their rooms while they were sleeping, and I stood over them, and he showed me a vision for their life. And I wrote it down because I tend to forget. <laughs> you see, we can get caught up in what we see and in what we're doing, and we can absolutely miss what God's doing. And we think that just because it's a good work, it's God's work. But the reality is that I've learned from experience that not every good work is God's work. It may be his work for somebody else, but it's not his work for you. God's vision is vital. Without it, people run wild and they run naked. Come on, somebody. Better get a vision. My second thought about vision, about God seeing God's vision, is that God's vision is vast. You're going to have to open your minds up for God's vision. You're going to have to open your heart up for God's vision because it's vast. Ephesians three twenty says, "Now to Him, speaking of Jesus." who is able to do, watch these words, exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Jesus can do more than you can wrap your mind around. He can do more than you can imagine. He can do more than you can even ask for, which means this, that every time I think, every time I ask, I'm falling short of what he's capable of doing. Ah. <laughs> we limit ourselves. We limit ourselves with our own thinking. We limit ourselves even in our own emotions. We limit ourselves even with our own imagination. Jesus can do exceedingly abundantly above. Come on, you got to get this this morning. I'm telling you, because Jesus is going to break some of you out of a poverty mindset. You've been living on lack for so long. You've been living just slacking and lacking. 
And it's all because you're locked up here and you're limiting God. You're not asking for his vision. Or maybe he gives you his vision for your life. And you go, no, that's way too far. Your poverty mentality took over and squashed the vision that God has for your life. How great can your marriage be? Don't ask yourself that. Don't even ask your spouse that. Because you'll both come up short. Ask God how great your marriage can be. Ask God how incredible your kids can be. Ask God how big your finances can be. Ask God how big your life can be. Because you can't see it like he sees it. We have to come to the understanding that even on my best day, I fall short. Even Solomon, with all of his wisdom, fell short. So if you can do it without God, you can just soon call that a project. That's not a vision. Amen? Because you see, God's vision requires an element of faith and trust that I can't make this happen. A vision from God will stretch you into the unknown. It will call you out of a place of complacency. It will call you out of a place of comfort where you are able to control everything around you. God's vision will, will make you lose control. And some of you just signed off. Like, I'm out. <laughs> I don't have control issues. I just like to be in control. It requires faith. It requires trust. I can't make this happen. Because here's what you need to know. God will only give you a vision that requires his provision. He will only give you a vision that he has to show up for. That he has to bring the goods. Come on, somebody. So God's vision is vital. Number two, God's vision is vast. Ah, Lord, help us to see like you see. Number three, God's vision needs a vehicle. You got to come to this understanding today that God doesn't need you, but he chooses to use you. He don't need his creation, but he chooses to use it. And when I say use it, I don't mean like a slave and a master, like he would use you and abuse you. That God wants to use you says that God wants to participate in something with you. Can we flip the script on that for a minute? It's not like God's cracking a whip on your back and saying you have to do this and you have to do that and you have to do this because I said so. It's God's giving us a vision and an opportunity to step out in faith so that we and him can participate in this thing together. Whatever it is, if it's raising your kids, that you and God can raise those kids to, the, to however he sees it. Come on. So vision is like the steering wheel. 
When God gives you a vision, it's like the steering wheel of the vehicle. It, it keeps you going in the right direction. That's why without vision, people perish. They run wild because they have no direction. They get in the car and they go on a trip and they don't know where they're going. They just stay tripping. It's a trip. <laughs> I got any old hippies in the room? Come on, somebody. Y'all ain't heard that word trip in a long time. <laughs> don't go back there. <laughs> no, don't go back there. <laughs> Some old feelings might come up. But vision is the steering wheel. Watch this. Faith is the engine. Faith is what drives the vehicle. Vision keeps you going in the right direction. Faith is what drives the vision to its destination. But you are the vehicle. All of that is happening within inside of you. God gives you a vision. It's what you're going towards. It, that's the vision. It's where we're heading. We're going this direction. We've been running wild all over the place. But God gave us a vision. Now we're going in this direction by faith. That's what's driving us because we believe it was his vision and we believe it's his purpose and we believe it's greater than ourselves. So we step into it by faith. That's the engine that drives it. You're the vehicle. Let me give you some examples from Hebrews chapter 11, starting in verse 7. It says, it was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God who warned him about things that had never happened before. They had never seen rain before. And his brother's building a boat. They didn't even know what a boat was. What's that? How did he do it? By faith. Verse 8. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. God showed him a promised land, but he didn't know where it was at. But by faith, he stepped into it, declaring, listen to me, your first step is the most critical step. If you'll just take the first step, you'll declare to heaven that I trust you, even though I'm shaking in my pants, I trust you. And then that propels you to take the second step. Abraham didn't know left, right, or straight. He just saw the end. And yet by faith, he stepped out, trusting that God would lead him as he went. <laughs> it's a good point with his wife. <laughs> You're gonna start something, John. You're gonna start something I can't fix. By faith. So let me let me bring a question into this. What's messing with your faith? Are you that beat down? Are you that distraught? Has life been that disappointing? Has God let you down that often? What's messing with your faith? I'm learning as I get older. I'm getting closer to 50 now. I'm learning 
I know. I'm still young. Wet behind the ears. I'll stay wet as long as I can. I'm learning, though, that the older I get, it's kind of like a blessing. I'm not, I'm, I'll use the word curse, but not like a literal curse. It's, it's like a blessing. Like I, I tend to, The older I get, I tend to care less what other people think. But I got to guard myself because I tend to, to go off the rails in some areas and just like complacency almost wants to become my friend. Like I just don't, there's some things I just don't really want to just deal with anymore. And it's just like, eh. And so I got to be careful because it'll mess with my faith. Because I believe God's going to have me step in until Jesus steps in. My first faith step, my first faith journey was just the beginning. It was clearly not the end. My greatest testimony used to be when we packed our bags after God said, go find Bubba, ask him what he needs and help him. And we packed our bags, put our house up for sale and moved two hours away. I thought that was it. I thought I was once and done. Man, we did our faith step early in our Christian walk. We're done, baby. We're going to coast this thing out till Jesus comes back. We're going to live in the glory. We're going to live with wealth and riches and everything's going to be fine. That was just the first step. <laughs> There's been many more since then. So when a giant needed to be slayed, God used a willing teenager named David. When God wanted to free his people from 400 years of captivity, he called an insecure man named Moses. When the Savior was to be born in this world, he called a virgin teenage girl named Mary. When Jesus wanted to change the world, he invited ordinary people to follow him, then commissioned them to preach the gospel, heal the sick, cast out demons, and make disciples. Ordinary men. You're going to have to understand something today because the enemy's got you convinced that you're not worth it, you're not qualified, you're not good enough, you've made too many mistakes. You're Like Pastor Bubba would say, you're the barnacle on the bottom of a shrimp boat in Delcom. The enemy's convinced you of that. Come on, somebody, that's old, that's old school right there. Had to go back to the goat. But anyway, so the enemy's got you convinced that you're sitting like a barnacle on a boat and you're useless. You're just getting in the way. But listen to me. People that have transformed the world were not greatly gifted. They were greatly willing. God can do more with a willing person than he can with a gifted person. Amen? So you need to tell the devil to shut up. Well, why y'all didn't say nothing? Okay, well, one more time. You need to tell the devil to shut up. I can only set him up, Lord. Watch this in Ephesians chapter 3. Paul says, I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. God's purpose in all of this, watch this, was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. What did God want to do? He wanted to use the church. Come on. He wanted to use the church 
to display his wisdom in rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Do you belong to the church? Are you the church? The capital C church? If you're born again, you're the church. Even if you're not participating, you're the church. Because you don't get to heaven because of your participation. That's what rewards are for. You get rewards in heaven for participation. You get to heaven by the blood of Jesus. It's his plan to use the church. God wants to use his church. He's using his church today. So the vision of our Savior's church has always been to reach people and build lives. That's why we exist. And all the cities that we exist in is to reach people, to reach the lost, and to build lives, to make disciples. That's why we're here. We want to see lives changed and cities transformed. And we want to help people to do three things. We want to help them to know God, live free, and make disciples. That's what we want. That's the vision of this church that you call home, is to reach people and build lives. By helping people to know God personally, not just through a Sunday service or just through a life group, but to know God personally, then to live free, not just to discover freedom, but to live in freedom, and then to make disciples, which is simply to do to someone else what's been done to you. So let me tell you what we see as a church. We see a church that is built on Jesus, inspired by the Holy Spirit and propelled by faith. We see a church strengthened in diversity, confident in grace, and anchored in his presence. We see a church that is passionate about investing and raising the next generation of leaders. We see a church that brings the culture of heaven to every sphere of government, sports, education, medicine, and the enterprises for the kingdom, for the kingdom's purposes. We see a church that overflows with people, purpose, and power. We see a church that trains, teaches, equips, empowers, and produces leaders who serve as kingdom ambassadors in all spheres of life. We see a church that never stops searching for the lost because God never stops searching for us. We see a church where Jesus is famous and all glory goes to God. Amen? I want you to watch this video. 23 years ago, our church was founded on one very simple vision, reaching people and building lives. And our passion has always been to reach people that are far from Jesus, to reach that one family member, that one neighbor, that one coworker with the good news of the gospel. And in just the last couple of years, we've seen more people surrender their life to Jesus and get baptized than ever before. But you know what excites me the most? is that it's not just happening in our Sunday services. It's happening in people's workplaces. It's happening in people's homes. It's even happening in our schools all throughout our cities. But we're not just committed as a church to reaching people. We are just as passionate about building lives, which means that we wanna help people take their next step in their spiritual journey. We wanna help people know God and live free and learn how to make disciples. 
And it's time for us to take another step to reach more people and build more lives. And in order to do that, here's the truth. We need more space. So the question is, what are we gonna do about it? What are we willing to do to reach more people? So let me start here in Jennings and tell you what exactly we're planning to do. You have done such an amazing job inviting and bringing people to church that we're literally running out of room. Our 9 a.m. service is at max capacity. We've got people sitting in the foyer watching our service. And at the 11 a.m. service, it's almost near capacity. So what are we gonna do? Well, starting Sunday, April 2nd, we will be adding a third service. That's right, we're going to three services. We're gonna be adding an 8 a.m., 9.30, and 11.30. And because you're inviting so many more people, we still need more parking. So we're gonna increase our parking, specifically our handicapped parking, to accommodate for those that come and need the extra help. Our campus also is 23 years old here in Jennings and it needs a facelift. So we're gonna be enhancing and improving our campus. We're gonna be remodeling our stage. We're gonna remodel our production booth for all of the live streaming that happens. Uh, we're also going to be enhancing our commons area and foyer to make the building a lot more accessible and easier to navigate. A place for new guests to get connected and for you to interact more with your spiritual family. Great places for our life groups to gather together. But here's what I'm excited about. God's not only expanding here in Jennings, but he's also expanding in Eunice and in Crowley. So you know what? Instead of telling you, why don't I show you? So hey, come with me. Welcome to the Eunice campus. We're here. There's the man. What's up? What's up? How you doing, bro? I'm good, man. Good here, man. Oh, we want to come see what God's doing here. Everybody, Pastor Jamie. Hey, hey. Hey, uh, let us see the new kids building, man. Man, wanna, it's right it. there, bro. Look at that. Come on, look. Let's come, come, let's come see this. this out. Big, big open area to check kids in. Come on. Two big rooms. We got plenty of kids space now. I'm super excited about this place. So if y'all don't know the story, we got it. Uh, it was a house, really a dance studio that was next door. That donated it yeah. to us. And uh, we sunk about $150,000 in total in the project. Uh, really just create more space for kids. Yep. So, hey, love it. Next gen, man, made it go. So, what about the building, man? So let me, let me show you what I want to do next. Okay. This All is right. going to be awesome. All right, let's go. Man, what we want to do here is, is we just need some more space. Yeah. Uh, we created space for the kids. The kids are settled. That's great. Right now, we need some more adult space. Yeah. I want to I wanna take some walls and push them back. I want to take some rooms out to create some more foyer spaces. Uh, so that we can have more time to connect and just visit with folks and 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 just the flow of the building would feel a lot better. So we just need more space. Yeah, just thinking about, we don't want to create a space where people just come and hurry up and jet out. That's right. Like to That's be able right. to create that atmosphere for people who want to hang around and connect. I know y'all use life groups. Yes. Kids, youth, like everybody uses this building. Yeah, right? the, the, our students use this building on Wednesday nights. I passed by last night and like the parking lot was full almost like a Sunday between a couple of life groups and a youth group here. So I mean the buildings and the facilities are getting used to the max and we're loving it. I mean that's yeah. that's awesome. That's what we that's want. What it's made for. That's right. Absolutely. And so uh, we, just, we just need to create and adjust some things to, to make more space. Now you've been a part of our church for, you and Cheryl have been for 20 years. 20 years. So tell us, because you've been a part of these moments. Mm. So talk to everybody that's jumping in 
and haven't had those moments. I would challenge you with this. I mean, honestly, this is a moment to pray. Uh, it's, it's to pray and ask God, what, what's my part? Yeah. What's my part in this whole thing? What can I do? And don't let the enemy convince you that your part's not big enough or important enough, because it is. Yeah. It's, it's totally important Come on. and it's totally big enough. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, hey, exciting things happening here. Appreciate you, brother. Yeah. Thank you for all that you it's and Cheryl awesome. do and this whole dream team and everybody that's incredible what God's doing here. We got to get to Crowley because we got some big, big news Woo. coming from Crowley. Come so, on. So, uh, hey, let's go to Crowley. Hey, welcome to the Crowley campus. Glad you're here. Let's see if we can find Jay. Hey, Jay. Hey. I don't know why it's not opening. Hey. I don't, hey. Oh, here. What's, what's up? Man, I have the best news. Talk to me. We ain't gonna be in this building much longer. What? We found ourselves a building, y'all. We got a building! Come That's on, right. man. Let's go. Where right around at? the corner. Let me go show y'all. Come on, let's go see it. Hey, Pastor JJ, where we at, man? So, this used to be the USDA facility. They built something over there for themselves, and this became available, so we grabbed it. Yeah. Let me hey, show you inside. Let's go see. So, through the first doors, you'll see a very congested lobby space and we'll be opening up a lot of that to make more room for us. Right through here is gonna be the main hall where the adults will do worship services. Again, you'll see some internal spaces that need to be broken up, uh, walls taken down so that we can create more space for. Take a look. This. All right, Pastor JJ, tell us a little bit about this place. Well, just a couple of facts. It's uh, 7,400 square feet. It's gonna be ours 24 seven. Let's go. That there is the <laughs> biggest thing. No more setting up. <laughs> no more setting up no more and striking down. down. There's gonna be spaces for life groups. There's gonna be spaces for training. Yeah. And this is gonna be a base from where we can really serve our community well and uh, have just so many beautiful things, you know, happen for the glory of God. And so if everything goes well, two months of construction, busting out walls, fixing floors, get, setting ourselves up, and then we'll do a move, obviously, which uh, y'all saw how close the cinema is, right? So we'll be doing the... Thankfully, it's not a far journey. We're gonna look like little ants from, from the cinema to the world, carrying our stuff over. Beyond the buildings, we know it's really not about buildings but you need space to do what we want to do, which is to reach people and build yeah. lives. So talk about how is God reaching people and building lives right here in Crowley? We are at capacity yeah. in the cinema. Um, so either we go to a slightly bigger venue or we start next, you know, more services. And I believe this is for where we at the best thing that could have happened to us so that we can reach more people. And God has been adding people faithfully, mm. you know, to our church, but it's not just about the numbers. It's about the stories of people's lives that are getting reconnected back yeah. to God. In the last just two months, we've seen so many people come alive again in their relationship with God, getting through doubts and fears and, and struggles and, and those who are still within them finding hope and finding keys and, 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 and hand of how, on how to handle that and keep moving forward in their, in their walk with God. And so many um, encouraging stories of people discovering the Bible for the first time. And so um, 
This is just incredible. During our, uh, our prayer and fasting time, uh, I, some of y'all might remember, Esther had a word of knowledge at our corporate gathering yeah, about yeah. Uh, somebody who's struggling with a lung issue. Well, it turned out to be a lady in our congregation mm. who had, uh, the doctors had, uh, had seen spots on her lungs and she was very concerned about it. They pray over, prayed over her and at our follow-up meeting when they um, took tests to see what it was about, they couldn't find any of that Come there on. anymore. <laughs> Let's go. And so you have these incredible go, documented miracles that are starting to happen. Yeah. Part of the Christian call is to not just pray for revival, but to also pray for reformation and yeah. to bring the kingdom of God into the everyday life. Yep. And man, we're starting to see the first fruits of that in Crowley. And so we're super excited. Pump, bro about that yeah when we come to these moments right here where we know we've got to take a step i mean this is going to be a financial step this is going to be a sacrificial step mm -hmm. there's going to be work that's mm -hmm. required mm -hmm. for all of this but maybe just speak to that for a moment for those maybe that are new to our our, our spiritual family have never stepped into a moment yeah. like this how do you go into a moment like this and and what does this do for the corporate faith of our church well first of um we realize that sometimes when you're stepping into moments like these, they're, they're from the get-go, they're too big for you to accomplish on your own. Yeah. And sometimes that creates fear. And I said to somebody the other day that, you know, you're always going to be in a place where there's fear and there's faith yep. coexisting at the same time, but you get to choose which one you respond to. Yeah. And so this is a moment where we need to respond to faith. Yeah. Um, and uh, in one of our messages earlier this year, we spoke about that little boy that brought the five loaves and the two fishes to Jesus. Yep. One of his disciples made a quirky comment, but what's this against the need? And, uh, the beautiful thing was that the boy wasn't looking at the need. Yeah. The boy was looking at the receiver of the gift That's it. and he can multiply it. And so we don't need to do miracles. God does miracles with our seed when we're trusting him, when we're stepping out, when all of us just ask, Lord, what do I have to give? And I bring that with faith in my heart to the one who can multiply. Uh, he makes it happen, yeah. you know? So um, respond to faith in this time. Don't yeah. respond to like, oh my goodness, the numbers. Uh, you just take the first step, yeah. you know, like Moses and them, when they went through the Red Sea, they had to step and they had to get their feet wet. So yeah. get your feet wet. That's the way the sea parts. Let's go. So, hey, we're excited for this season. And uh, Jay, I just want you to know, I'm super proud of you and Esther. I'm super proud of what God's doing here in Crowley. And uh, I believe the best is yet to come. Isn't that good? Can we give the Lord a big hand clap for that? Come on. God's doing some exciting things in all of our campuses, and we're, we're really, really blown away. And so we've been meeting as pastors for the last couple of months just talking about all of this and strategizing and, and praying, doing a lot of praying about, God, what do you want us to do? What do you want us to do? What do you want to do through us? And so let me give you a few details about what's going to happen. So we have a gap. We have a God gap of about $300,000 between the three campuses. That's not just Eunice, so just relax. <laughs> it's between all three campuses. There's a God gap of about $300,000. 2 weeks from today, we're going to have a, a reach and build miracle offering. And, and, that, and we're trusting God to bring it. I'm praying, God, you're going to bring it. We trust you. And we're all going to have to get involved to fill this gap, though. Every one of us, every single one of us will have to get involved to fill this gap. Remember, we're the vehicle that he wants to use to fill the gap. Amen? So what do you want me to do? I'm glad you asked that question. Number one, 
before you do anything. Like, how do you respond now going forward? I don't want you to think numbers. I don't want you to look at your finances. I don't want you to think about what you have or what you don't have. This is all I'm asking you to do is pray. Just pray. Talk to God before you talk to yourself. That was a life lesson. (laughs) We're in every one church, and we're trusting God to bring everything that we need. So I want to give you a better question to ask God than maybe what can I do. Here's a better question. God, what do you want to do through me? What do you want to do through me? You see the difference in the question? Not God, what can I do? God, what do you want to do through me? That's where vision comes. That's where stepping out in faith comes. The second thing we want you to do is participate. This church has never been and never will be built on the gifts of one person. That's financial or even as a pastor. We're not built on the gifts of a personality or one person who has riches. We're in every one church. Everyone matters to God. Every one of you needs to, needs to make this body whole. Every one of you is needed. Every one of you brings such value to this house. So watch this. For 23 years, we've been a spiritual family that builds together, serves together, and sacrifices together. That's what we've been. You're sitting in seats in a building that Jennings sacrificed for years ago. That those core people there sacrificed so we could plant a church in Eunice. And then us and Jennings sacrificed to plant a church in Crowley. And now a little lady who had spots on her lungs because she went to that Crowley church is declared clean and clear. Because of all that God's doing. And he's doing so much more. So I'm asking you, new, young, old, get in. Get all in. It's not about equal gifts. It's about equal sacrifice. So I want to ask you a question. If you attended here in 2007 when we planted the church, I don't, I'm, I'm kind of nervous about it. I don't know how many of them are still here. If you were here in 2007, would you stand up real quick? You need to stand up. 2007. Anybody else? Wow. Let's give them a big hand. Watch this. These are just some of the people that God used to get what we have right now. Not just financially, not just with buildings, but even spiritually. These are foundational people. All these people that stood up have been here from the beginning and have committed to build God's house right here in this place. And we're forever grateful for that. Next question. Who was here in 2020 when we finished the kids building? Stand up. If you were here in 2020 when we finished the kids building, stand up. Wow. Give each other a big hand. I just want to remind you what happened in 2020. We were in the middle of COVID and we finished a building project that that shouldn't have happened. Amen. So thank you for what you've done so far. You can be seated. So the goal of Reach and Build is 100% participation from everyone who calls OSC home. We'll all come together and offer our best 
And I trust that God will do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think or imagine. So watch this. God's not passionate about buildings. He's passionate about building people. Amen? And if you'll just look around today, we're full. We brought out extra chairs. That makes a pastor really happy to have a full pasture. Come on, somebody. It does. It also makes God very happy. So what are we going to do here? Well, that back wall you see, we're going to push it back all the way to the front door. Yep. We should fit 30-plus more chairs and give us a lot more space. When you walk in the back door, all the buildings that go from, all the rooms that go from the back door to the worship center will be wiped out. All that's getting eliminated. So we have a big foyer. The kitchen's getting gutted and opened up. Um, Y'all might know it as Lisa's office or the dream team room is getting taken away. And and we're creating some more space. We're going to take the overflow room where all the stuff is, and that's going to become the new ark. It's going to be a fresh remodel throughout the whole place. Here's the goal. This is what I feel in my heart. We need to make some space to grow some more in one service. I'm not ready to go to two services yet. I feel like we need a bigger foundation for what God wants to do. So I want to stay at one service. I want to create a little bit more space. The kids are good. Now, we may have some parking issues because right now we're parking down the street, 60-something cars here today. I think that's the biggest amount of cars we've ever had without having a fun day. <laughs> so <laughs> if you feed them, they will come. <laughs> so, so we want to do that. We want to push the walls back, probably expand the sound booth, open up the foyers, remodel the whole place. All the kids, the kids' two rooms here will get remodeled and fresh and clean. Those, that building's good. The office is good. We'll have to figure out something with parking. That's fine. But we want to build one more service a little bit bigger. And then we'll go to two services. At what point? I don't know. I know that God's going to bring a harvest. I feel it inside of me. And God's going to bring a harvest. And I'm, I'm anxiously waiting for that harvest to come. Amen. Not just on Sundays. It's more people in life groups. More people we get to disciple one-on-one, right? More families transformed. More marriages restored. And so that's what's happening. Now, once we go to two services, I don't know what's going to happen. I ain't seen that yet. I got a feeling we're going to bust out of this property. I don't know. But I'm like, bring it, Lord. Because here's the truth you need to know. If every person just in Eunice decided to show up to church today, There's not enough church buildings to house them. You would have people sitting outside. So we want to see God's kingdom come in Jeff Davis Parish, Acadia Parish, St. Landry Parish, and Evangeline Parish. And we want to see it come just as it is on this earth, just as it is in heaven. Amen? I don't want to read about other revivals. I don't want to read about God moving on other parts of the the nation. I want to experience God's presence like never before here. So God's inviting us to write the next chapter of his story. And it starts with seeing the vision. So God, what do you want to do through me? That's the question. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Next week we'll talk about hearing the vision. So, Father, we bless you today.
Lord, we thank you for all that you're doing. I remember every step we've taken like this, every faith step. I remember the emotions I go through, how fear tries to, to climb on and doubt tries to establish itself. And God, you've shown me through the example of Pastor Bubba and Tracy and many others that, God, these are the moments where we step out and we trust you. And we just surrender ourselves to you. We believe in what you're doing. We believe in what the church's vision is, that you've given this church this vision. It's bigger than ourselves. We trust that. We trust you, Lord. So God, I pray right now that you bring every penny that's needed to make room. There's just something about that phrase, make room you've been doing something with lately. Lord, help us to make room. Father, we love you. We thank you. I thank you that you have a vision for every single person in this room, from the oldest to the youngest. Help us to see your vision for our lives, but also for your kingdom, for your church, Help us to see it, Lord. Give us Jesus' contact lenses. Because I think sometimes our mind and even our own natural sight blinds us and restrains us. God, help us to see. Would you say that with me this morning? Say this, say, Lord, help me to see what I can't see. Help me to see what you see. I want to see what you see. And I need your help. So God, we thank you for this moment. Thank you for all that you're doing. You're mighty and strong. You're always faithful. So if you're in this place this morning and you walked in, and I don't even know what kind of condition you're in, but if you walked in today and, and God's met you right where you're sitting, feel something in your heart calling you, calling you to him. If that's you, would you just raise your hand this morning? No one looking around? Heads bowed, eyes closed. Good. Maybe it's just to return to him. Anybody else? Maybe it's your first time. You've never given your life to Jesus before. Praise God. Father, we thank you. You've seen the hands that came up of those who want to come back to you. God, we know that begins with surrender. Surrender usually begins with stopping and laying down our will, laying down control, maybe fear and insecurity and doubt. It's distraction. It's just surrendering our whole selves to you. I want to say this this morning. Say, Lord, I surrender. I surrender all. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name.